So let's everybody warm up, get to it. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to Seeker. start risking flat tires mm. yeah. shoot out when you get under 20 you could get shot at the end this is true <laughs> you gonna shoot me on the way to coffee put the gun down man put the gun <laughs> down hey look tell you what shoot me or don't because the thing's closing <laughs> in 17 minutes 13 julie 13 this is, this minutes is what i'm talking about see this right here you <laughs> see what happens you get a 200 in the bakery section shoot me or yeah. not shoot and me. who knows who knows. where it goes from there we just need to mobile order this now i am right now Seriously, for real? I'm trying to mobile order right now. Y'all are crazy. Uh, so we're on verse number four. First uh, John chapter, chapter two, two, verse number four. Yeah. Yeah. So here's what happened. In chapter two, verse number one, we kind of wrapped up uh, the fact that uh, we have an advocate with the Father. It's Jesus Christ the righteous. Doesn't want us to sin. However, if we do sin, um, we we have that with him. He's our mediator. We talked about that. Um, and how he is the uh, atoning sacrifice for our sins. Um, And then we got verse number three, where we got into how we know him, and if we keep his commandments, that whole piece, by saying that we know him, it must mean that we keep his commandments, kind of reflected on 2 Thessalonians about being an enemy of the Lord. And we read 4, 5, and 6, but then we figured out that we really didn't do four, five, and six. We kind of did four by nature of three, but we didn't get into five. And that's where we are. That was that was a bomb wow. recap. <laughs> I had no clue on what we did last. I had no. He could be making all of that up, and I believe every word. He I'm just pretty said. sure he made half up. <laughs> At least half. Fifty percent, as far as you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's what happened. Three. Okay. Three. Starting in verse three, and by this we know that we have come. To know him, if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him truly, the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. You have the same fancy version I do. Yes. You know, ESV in? <laughs> fancy, fancy. ESV in? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I cannot get past the connection here between what John is telling us versus what Jesus told John in the upper room at the Last Supper. I can't get past it. John is simply telling us he's teaching us what Jesus taught him directly, mm. yeah. which is abide in me. It's the true vine speech. It's John 15. John 15, 14, 14, yeah, it's, 15. It's, it's the true vine. Like th- That's what he's talking about. <clears throat> if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. You are my friend if you do what I ask you Absolutely. to do. Absolutely. Yes. Abide oh, in me as I in him. I totally agree. Uh, you get the same thing in uh, Matthew 7 when Jesus is talking about um, um, those who are complying with the will of the Father, those who are not. Well done, a good and faithful servant. I mean, you get the same thing where he says, those are the ones who did the commandments of the Father. Yeah. Um, 
And those are the folks who know him that keep his commandments. Otherwise, you don't know him. We, we talked a little bit about 2 Thessalonians too, about the end of time when Jesus comes back and it says he'll take vengeance on those who do not know the Lord and those who do not, do obey. not obey the gospel, yeah. right? Um, so the, the same thing applies there. It's a pretty stiff penalty for not knowing him and definitely him not knowing you, right? Oh, yeah. But the, it, um, you can't know him without him knowing you. I guess yeah. that's... And it's I'm going to flip over it, to Matthew 7 because I don't believe. It's really kind of funny that we hit on verse 4. <clears throat> Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. And it's funny because in our worship service this morning, we were talking about Jonah, right? And Jonah is this pro- It's Jonah's the story of a prophet who gets the word of God. So God says, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach against it. Their evils come up before me. And instead of doing what God tells him to do, Jonah does the exact opposite, right? He gets on a boat and tries to go as far away from Nineveh as he can get. So God sends the storm and the sea is raging and everything and Jonah's asleep. And the sailors go and wake him up and they say, Who are you? What's your story? Why are you here? And he says, I am a Hebrew. I fear the Lord. The, create, the God of heaven who created the sea and the dry land. Well, he says all this as he's running as far away from God as he can. And the whole point of that in the story is we're supposed to read that and be like, you hypocrite, you big liar. No, you don't. Which is exactly what John is telling us. If you say that and it's not borne out by your life and your actions, you're a liar. You're a hypocrite. You're not acting in a in a way that shows that the gospel means anything to you that that you've taken the sacrifice of Christ within yourself that it's changed you as it should mm-hmm. right on that it, it's 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 you're treating it as irrelevant to your life because you're saying one thing and your actions are the complete polar opposite of that yeah agreed okay. I'm only going to compliment what you said by not uh, paraphrasing, but reading Matthew seven twenty one now. Okay, it says, "Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven." Many will say to me in that day, "Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonderful works in your name?" Here you go. This is talking about it, not necessarily doing the right thing. And then I will declare to them, "I never knew you." I never knew you, so this is him not knowing you. Yep. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. And First John is later going to tell us that that's what sin is. It says sin is lawlessness, but one chapter over, right? Um, so, yeah, same thing born out there. Um, God doesn't know you if you're not keeping his commandments. And the only right. people that he says he knows are those who keep his commandments. Right. Which goes back to your first point, right, about John. Yeah. Uh, that you do love me if you keep my commandments. You are my friends if you do what I ask you to do. You make you make a really good point there. It's who does God know? Yeah. Who does God recognize as his own? Because I can stand up and say all kind of things. Yeah. And just lie through my teeth about all kind of things. None of which matters unless God knows who I am. And he knows his own, right? The sheep hear his voice and they know him and he knows them. He knows them by name, right? So 
That's a fantastic way that you put it there, Julian, is that it's, it, God knows his own. And how does he recognize his own? They're the ones who are doing what he told them to do. It's really not, it's, it's not brain surgery. You know, if you're doing what God said, God recognizes you as his own. And isn't that what we want? Isn't that the whole point of it? Is that he recognizes us as people who are, to the best we can, we're going to mess up, we're going to fall short, we're going to get it wrong sometimes. But we're trying to do his will. And we're trying to serve him as best we can. I'm glad you said that part because even though we're to verse number four, with us discussing four, five, and six, somebody, you know, you could listen to this and immediately start to think, and those three guys think they've got it all figured out. Who are those and, jokers? Yeah, yeah. And, and we just forgot that in verse number or chapter two, verse number one, he's already said, hey, look, I don't want you to sin. I'm writing so you won't. But if anyone sins, you have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, right? Yeah. He is righteous, a righteous judge, but he wants to help you in in your weakness, right? That's, yes. that's what he's come to do. Yep. So. We're, I love that you said, to the best of our ability, giving it everything we've got. And then when we mess up, back to chapter 1, we are willing to confess that we have sinned. And we're not going to say that we haven't sinned because then we make God a liar. Because it is in our weakness. That's where Jesus comes to meet us. Yeah. It's not standing on the things we've done. It's not, hey, I'm so great, look at me, lifting myself up. It's when we're weak. It's when we're recognizing cognizant of the fact that I can't do this by myself. I, of myself, cannot get there. I need help. Yep. That's when Jesus is right there, freely available to give the help that we need, to carry us through with it, to make sure that we get there. And that's, that's his advocacy with the Father for us. That's his righteousness working within us to get us there so that we, can, we actually can say, we can say that we abide in him. That's a goal we can achieve. That's something we can do. We just have to do it the right way, which is by walking in the way that he walked. That's following his example, you, letting him guide our steps, mm-hmm. letting him take us there. Yeah. And that, you, you just knocked in it. Uh, that's verse number six dead on. He yeah. who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. And that's a that's a clear reference back to uh, chapter 1, verse number 7, when we talk about walking in the light as he is in the light. That's how we have fellowship um, with God and with each other. Absolutely. And it's important, I think, to not miss the next thought that John makes in verse 7 when he says, this isn't anything new. Yeah, before we get into that, though, like before we move into it, though, like I just think it's so powerful to think about what verse 5 says there because it seems like such clear uh, language that we can know what the love of um, or see that the love of God is perfected by whoever keeps his word it says in him truly the love of God is perfected that's such a profound statement the love of God is perfected Um, and then yeah in verse 6 is I love it how it also just transitions into that because it gives us the clear test here of like, how do we know? Like, I feel like I'm with God, but maybe I'm not as much as I should be this or that. Um, but this is like a clear test and people struggle with this all the time, but it says by this, we may know that we are in him. So yeah, I mean, in him or not, 
And then the test is, whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way which he walked. Like, are we mimicking Christ? Are we living Christ-like lives? And that necessarily means that we have to know how Christ lived his life to know if he's doing that, which means we have to have a relationship with him. We have to know him. We have to understand him to know if we're mimicking that and that if we're actually doing it, are we actually keeping his word? Are we actually walking in those steps? Um, And so, yeah, it makes it crystal clear because um, I think it's easy for us to convince at the start of this um, this episode, we started talking about how it's more important that um, that God sees us in that relationship, not that whatever our perception is of our place isn't important as what God sees. And because um, and it's easy for us to convince ourselves that we're in a good spot. Mm-hmm. Like we can, you know, we can't trust ourselves. <laughs> mm-hmm. But but if we're forcing ourselves to like evaluate us based in, on this lens of Christ, then suddenly uh, we're confronted with not being able to um, let us call the shots because the litmus test that we're comparing against is Christ. And so it takes away our judgment in that process to a large extent. And there's something that you said in there about how you know, we, we wonder sometimes, we don't really feel like we're connected. Are we, you, we don't really feel like we're necessarily abiding in Him. But the way I kind of think of it is like, okay, so you have a job, you wake up one morning, you don't feel like going to work, you don't feel good, you've got something else going on, but you go to work. You don't wonder if you're unemployed because you don't feel like being there while you're doing your job, mm-hmm. right? Right. Why do we think this is somehow different? Because we're, just because sometimes we don't really feel it, well, our emotions are never a valid judge of what's going on around us. So let's look at it objectively. Are we doing what the Word says to do? Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. Then we're abiding in Christ. And maybe we're not feeling it that day. Maybe we're tired. Maybe we got a headache. Maybe it's not going great for us at the time, and we're kind of wondering about that stuff. But we can we can rest our confidence, and we can have hope, because we can look and see the Word. Am I doing what God wants me to do? Mm-hmm. If you can honestly look at that and say, yes, I am, you're golden. Yeah. You're abiding in him. You're doing great. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Feelings can be very elusive. Yeah. And they can be very illusory, right? Like, they can make us think all kind of things. Yeah. But it has to be something outside of that, right? Right. It has to be something separate and apart from that, because feelings aren't going to get us there. It's, are we or are we not doing what God said to do? Right. And there are two pretty concrete things I see in... Verse number five, when you talk about the love of God being perfected in him. So one of those things, super simple, is John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave sure. his only begotten son, right? Those who believe in him wouldn't perish but have everlasting life. That's God's love being perfected, sending his son. Um, his son, earlier he's already said it, is the atoning sacrifice, the propitiation for our sins, mm-hmm. which bridges us back to him. That's his love for us. That's a guarantee. We know, well, from starting to read First Peter 1, we know that that's a sealed, locked down, duct taped over with the Holy Spirit. So that's the one thing that we can know for sure. And then the second piece from verse number 4, knowing him, like being in him, well, from our other powerful eight verses, bam, like we know how we get in Jesus, right? Sure, we know he yes, gets yes. in Christ, Galatians 3.27, Romans 6. Read the whole chapter mm-hmm. through baptism, two, faith. Yeah, yes. yeah, exactly. 
uh, faithful obedience to him through baptism puts us into Christ. So those two things are locked down. You could look at that and you go, did I faithfully surrender to the Lord in baptism? Yes. Did Jesus Christ die for me? Yes. Boom. That's the love of Christ being perfected. That puts you in him. So when you drop down, you get to the end of verse number five. By this, we know that we are in him. We know that. Yeah. And if we were to go back and read First Peter 1, the Holy Spirit sealed that thing in. We know that. So that's a yep. guarantee. And as you said, that's why I like the way you said that. I'm just getting before that. Then whenever I, I kind of glue on what you just said into verse number six, now it's just a matter of following as well, right? right? Just a matter of following as well. Which let's not discount what that means. Because we're talking about the love by, you know, the in him truly the love of God is perfected. Well, Jesus taught about this too, right? Sermon on the Mount. How do we, how do we become perfect like that when you love your enemies? Mm-hmm. When you take it that extra step, when you take it to the level that Jesus took it all to, that's how we know and that's how we become perfect in the love of God and how it's perfected in us. So, yeah, it's one thing to say we can know that by doing it, but then we have to look at the, you know, sort of the extreme Jesus took it to, and that becomes the example. That becomes the benchmark. And so... It's, that's the walk, though. Oh, then that, though? That, that, that's where we that's where we start to walk. Yeah. Like, we know we but, have we have confidence in Jesus because of what He did and what He gave us the way He gave us to say yes, we want that. And now we start that walk. Yep. And but I like you know Jesse says earlier. Now the benchmark is Jesus, mm-hmm. and that's what we're striving towards, what we're reaching toward. But we walk in the light as we do that. We're not perfect. We. And it's a long walk, right? Mm-hmm. But I like that you said that. That's an extreme. It's not. We don't get there tomorrow, yeah, or the next day, man. <laughs> Is that? But we have to keep our eyes on Absolutely. that. That's where we're trying to get. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And none of it's new. That's the amazing thing. I think that's what he says. Yeah, you're right on. Yeah. That's the amazing thing that it stretches all the way back to the garden, right? This is this is as old as time itself. None of this is new. It's connection and closeness with God. It's understanding His will and just doing it. Right? That's, and it really boils down to quite that simply. Mm-hmm. Can we understand God's will? Absolutely we can. It's all right here. We have the complete revelation as you know, provided by the Spirit. We've got it. Can we do it? Well, that's sort of where it becomes an individual, you know, it's, it's kind of up to you to do it and it's up to me to do it. But we can because we can abide in him. We can do it when we, it's funny, we can do it when we recognize that we can't do it. Well, you're going like right? two levels deep now. We can do it when we recognize we can't do it ourselves. Yeah, that's, that's fair. Because he can do all things. Mm-hmm. Well, it's the humility aspect Through us. of it. It's absolutely yeah. humility aspect right. of it. Right? To him who is able to do immeasurably more yeah. than all we can ask or we can even imagine Yeah. when we let his power work. Yeah. Well, that's a really hard thing to do. Like when you can right. come, come to that phase of uh, at least getting close to it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but think of all the people that have let us down. And I know we've talked about this before, like in other episodes. Think of all the people you've let down and I've let down. Oh, yeah, right, Right? exactly. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, just our experience with being able to, like, 100% trust isn't that great. 
And so we immediately have a guard that goes up, and especially people that have been like seriously hurt by people, mm-hmm. which happens a lot too, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But with God, though, there is no ambiguity about it. Like he 100% will take care of us. Mm-hmm. We can 100% trust him, but we have to we have to let our guard down and let him just work in us. Well, sometimes we kind of treat it differently than any other relationship we have. How do we build trust among each other? We give each other a chance. We put mm-hmm. ourselves out there and we see how the other person responds to it. Yeah. We do that all the time. Yeah. We shouldn't act any differently with God. Mm-hmm. It, it, the trust in him develops the same exact way. We see what he had to say. We give it a try. Lo and behold, it works. So we learn to trust that way. Mm-hmm. But somehow we like treat trusting God like it's some kind of divine gift, almost like it's sort of like a miraculous thing that just happens to us. It happens the same way it happens with everyone, with any relationship we have, that there's a trust element there. We open ourselves up, we, we take God at his word, and we give it a shot. And when it works, because it always works, because his way works... When we do it according to his will, that's when we can learn to trust him more. And we can put ourselves out there a little bit more, open ourselves up. What's interesting is that he's never failed us, right? Right. But we do tend to kind of go back, close up, put the walls back up on, on the Lord, which doesn't really make sense. I'm kind of thinking this through. But, mm-hmm. I mean, he's, he's actually never failed us in any, any time where we've trusted him, entrusted ourselves to him. He's never, never bombed us. Like, he's come through every time. The problem is it's about kind of being mature enough to understand that what he just did for you is what you need to have done. Like, That's we, the trick right, right there. Yeah. Go into it kind of. Uh, yeah, a lot of thinking on how it's going to end, but... Yeah. Well, and to go into it honestly, by which I mean not hedging our bets. Sure. Not where we've got a contingency plan. You know, where, all right, God, I'm going to give this to you, but I've got my ace in the hole in case you don't come through. Mm -hmm. I've got my backup plan in case you don't deliver on this. So what I mean, that's what I mean by honestly. Sure. Yeah, I'm trying to think through this a little bit because it's kind of interesting what you brought up about, you know, God has to essentially earn our trust the, on the way through. And sort well, okay, so you give me the look of I got it wrong, but like so. He I was mean, saying the, more on us, not it's on, on him. us. It's not a learning experience for us. The mm-hmm. same way we learn trust in any human relationship, mm-hmm. it's exactly the same way. Not that he, not that you have to earn my trust, but I have to be willing to to let that let that trust develop. Right, right. And we have to treat God the same way. We have to approach him the same way. He's not going to just, you know, divinely smite us with trust, right? Right. It's the same thing because we're human. It's how we Mm -hmm. work. Yeah, Yeah. it just seemed, yeah, yeah. I was just thinking of it differently. And it seemed like the the way I thought it was, it was just dangerous to think that, like, and there's times where you're going to think that, God might have let you down because he didn't answer your prayer or something bad happened to you. Um, you know, you didn't get the job that you wanted or you got fired from, you know, things happen and it's yeah. easy to like end up blaming God of like, I thought I'd have trusted you, God. I was praying about this and that went sideways on me. I guess I can't trust you. Um, it's easy. Um, 
well, for people to fall away that way. Well, you know, it's really interesting, though. I think back to children of Israel. Remember how um, e- even when they were like they were crossing the Jordan, like put these stones up, right? Because I want I want this to be a marker so that you always remember what mm-hmm. has happened. Mm-hmm. And there are so many stones and monuments in our lives that if we would look back on, we would already remember that the Lord's been completely faithful <laughs> yeah. to us and we don't even have to worry, but we refuse to look at him, right? Yeah. So if you put yourself out there and you're like, Lord, I'm going to pray about this, and then you don't get the job, but then you think back to like four other jobs that you tried to get, that the Lord didn't let you get, but you saw where it brought you to and you're like, oh, oh, mm-hmm. okay, now I get it. I totally get it. Right? Right. Right. But we were, we just get very short-sighted in our memory about what he's done. Like, there's those giant monuments in our lives that are supposed to remind us. Of and we forget done. that no is an answer to prayer. For sure. And wait is an answer to prayer. Mm-hmm. Like we forget that. We look for the yes. We look for God. We look for God to be this wish-granting machine, right? Mm-hmm. We put in our quarter of prayer, and he gives us the toy we want to come out of it. Yeah. Well, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. So that's that's part of it as well is understanding that that he's the one who's in control. Well, sometimes God might have to break you down before you're able to get into a spot where you can even like listen. open back up to you him. Gotta listen. Yeah, for sure. And it might not be pretty along the way, but when you come through it on the other side, you're gonna like look back at it like you said. There's a marker in your life, and look where it brought me. I've actually I've been in prayer and asked the Lord. To not viciously crack me in half, just let me be like. <laughs> I was like, Lord, I, I just you know I'm gonna I'm gonna be as, as like I'm gonna surrender as much as I can. Just be have as much humility as possible. Please don't hit me over the head to show me this. Like I'm totally willing to listen. And in the midst of that prayer, not been listening. Like he's uh, he's just showing me the answer. I'm like, Lord, I I just want to know the answer, but you don't have to hit me in the face. I'm not I'm not gonna look right at yeah, it. I promise you, I would do it. And the Lord's like flashing lights. You yeah. should do this. I'm like, no no no. But but what what I'm looking for? You know what I mean? Yeah. And somebody just gotta punch you in the nose because you're just like you're not open to that the way you should be. Right? right. And it all ends up boiling down to we use the word trust a lot, but really faith also. Oh I sure. Mean, I mean they're so related. I mean ultimately that's. Um, a faith that even if you can't understand it in the moment, that it's going to be, um, that the ends are going to be exactly what God has planned for us and to be okay with that, um, no matter what that looks like, because this, as much as we want our life on this earth to be about us, it's not, it's about service to him in that process. Which I think goes right back to where we started. Yeah. We say we know God. We say we love him. We say we trust him. We say we want to do his will, but we don't, right? Because we still got that, we still got that bit of doubt. We still got that uncertainty. Mm-hmm. Well, God left that uncertainty there because that's where faith comes in. It's right. got to be there. Right. If it was a hundred percent certain, we wouldn't need God. If the outcome was a deadlock on everything we did, we wouldn't need Him. It's got to have that uncertainty, and that's the faith part. So that's why if we say we trust him, if we say we know him, if we say we love him, but we're not doing it, we're not taking that faith step, putting that faith into practice, letting our faith work like James is all about, it's just lies. We're just lying to ourselves. We're lying to each other, and we're lying to God. And I think that... The joy that, you know, uh, earlier just having uh, 
experiencing joy because of fellowship. That was in chapter one. The more we step out there, just say, Lord, I'm going to let you have it. Lord, I'm going to let you have it. You kind of just get this inner joy and peace because as it's happened so many times, you know it's going to happen again. Mm-hmm. And it's it's super fun and amazing to watch the Lord work it out, right? It's like if you stay in the groove, and that's why he's like, abide in me. Like, don't go over here and do your own thing and, and grow old and crusty so that you look back here and you forget how, how it worked. Like, mm-hmm. stay in this realm where all you do is just give it to the Lord. Because yeah. then you're just going to look and watch and see how amazing he is and how he works everything out, right? And you'll be a, a really, really great testament and encourager to the, the other folks around you. Mm-hmm. As you work it out. Well, verse 7, um, well, we started touching on verse 7, but I'll, I just want to read it so everyone can hear it out loud. So in verse 7 it says, Beloved, I'm writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. So um, I think that we kind of already talked around about way about it, but I just want to make sure we kind of got through it. Um, and then in verse 8, though, kind of this is getting more into different territory. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true in him, uh, see what is, uh, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother in the dark is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Okay, so he says two things that seem kind of contradictory. So let's talk about them. So he says, I'm writing no new commandment. And then in verse 8 he says, At the same time, it is a new commandment that I'm writing to you. So what's the, the difference between, like, what is this? The yin and the yang. Well, the, the Word of God and the will of God doesn't change, right? It's always love me, obey me, be my people, right? That's been from the very beginning, from Adam and Eve. We're in this creation that God has given us to, to enjoy and to be a part of and to engage with and to understand Him through. And it's always been about... It's always been about putting him first and foremost in everything we do. Mm-hmm. Doing his will, serving, living a life devoted to him. Right? That's that's the way he set it up. Mm-hmm. So when we're doing his will, when we're abiding in him, when we're when we're walking in the light, that's what we're doing. Exactly what he asked Adam and Eve to do in the garden. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. So that's the old commandment that's been with us from the beginning. The new commandment, though, is now we've seen that lived out in Christ. It's true in him. Right. And then by... Well, it seems like it says, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. So it sounds like almost more like um, the darkness of a life without Jesus, like... In, in my mind, that's what it seems like he's saying. So the darkness is passing away. But now we've got Jesus. I think the, the darkness is the reign of sin and death in the world. Okay. That's passing away. That, that is come, go, that's a, got a finite end to it. The true light has come down from heaven. It's been 
embodied in Christ. We've got mm-hmm. the perfect example. Yeah. I was I was listening to um, somebody say that Jesus is God become human to teach us how to be human. And I love that idea. That he came down to show us how to be people under God. Mm-hmm. That that was his mission here, was to teach us how to be human when we couldn't get it right ourselves. Because of sin, because of greed and pride and jealousy and anger and all that stuff that sin is, we couldn't get it right. So he came and showed us that. That's the true light, right? I'm going to say what you just said, and I'm going to say it the way John said it. John 1, uh, John 1, 4, it says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men, mm-hmm. and the light shines in the darkness. The darkness did not comprehend it. Um, and then in verse number 7, this man came for a witness to bear witness of who? Jesus, the light, that all through him might believe. Yeah. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which gives every light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. No, that's Jesus. I think you know that. Jesus says this new commandment language in uh, John chapter 13 and verse number 34. He says, Mm -hmm. now this is the part about living it out. A new commandment I give to you, that you love Love one one another another. as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. But is that a new commandment? Is this? When he says, a new commandment I give you that you love one another. It's not. What's the first and greatest commandment? Love the love Lord God. your God with all your heart. And the second. And the second. Which is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. Which is this. Yeah. It's not a new commandment. It's always been there. Love has always been the underpinning of everything God expects of us. Whatever it is God asks of us, love is what is underlying all of it. So that And that's back to what John is saying here. If he says he's in the light but hates his brother, guess what? He's not in the light. Mm-hmm. He's abiding in darkness. Yeah. It, it, if you love your brother, then you abide in the light and the darkness. You know, in him there is no cause for stumbling. If you love your brother, there's no cause in you to sin because everything you do is going to be motivated by what? Love. love. By love, which is all God has ever wanted from us. So why does he say that it's a new commandment then if it's not really new? Is, is it to say it's a new commandment because it's not because Jesus didn't exist, right? John 1, 1 already says he was From way the back beginning. there. So that makes sure. him old. But maybe what's new is the fact that he has now shown them by example that it is so. Even John, yeah, John 13, 15 says, For I've given you an example that yep. you should do as I have done to you. And then, you know, he talks about this new commandment I've given you. Do you love one another? As I've loved you. Like, now they have it as an example. And what is that love? That God so loved the world that he sent his only son. God is love. We're going to see that later in 1 John. That's what God is. That's his nature. All he's asking us to do is be more like him. (laughs) And maybe, maybe it was not like... Well, when Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, he like really kind of seems like to level things up. You know, he's like, you've heard it said this, oh, yeah, yeah. but I say this. Mm-hmm. Like, 
people, like before Jesus actually came and walked and showed us the example, like in the flesh, like we didn't quite get it, like yeah. all the way. Like, and then he comes and he's like, "This is what I really meant," and so that's what um, that's what uh, gives us this whole new context of like, this is what it means to walk in the light. Well, remember when Jesus said that in the Sermon on the Mount? What was the response of the audience? They were blown away. He mm-hmm. taught like one who has authority. Right. They, the way he explained it to them, you have heard it said this. Here's the way you guys have twisted it all around and made it the mm-hmm. exact mm-hmm. opposite of what it was supposed to be. Let me tell you how it should be. Yeah. And that blew people's minds. Right. They walked away from that stunned. Yeah. Because what he was telling them was the way it should have been from the beginning. He was just saying, this is how it is now. Yeah. The same way as it's always been. Right. It sounds like a paradox. It sounds like a contradiction, but it's not at all. There's nothing contradictory there. He's just saying everything in the old law, everything in there, it's all based on love. That was the ingredient you guys never put in the cake. Right? So you got it all messed up and it got all kind of sideways. You always left out that bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Moses knew it. He knew it over and over again, he said in the, in the law. It's all about love. Jesus, the prophet, said it too. You guys do all this stuff, but you forget about the poor. You mistreat the, the alien. You, you steal from the widows. You're doing all this stuff. You're saying you love God, and nothing you do shows it. Because you're treating your neighbors poorly. You're treating one another like garbage. And that's what Jesus came and said the same thing. You don't have love for your brother. Okay, well, who is my brother? It's the guy you don't think of. It's the person you're not looking out for. That's your brother. Mm -hmm. The one who cares for you and demonstrates for you. That he has love for you. There's no cause for stumbling there. Mm -hmm. That guy's not abiding in darkness. The darkness isn't in him. There's no cause for sin when you're acting out of a motion of pure love, a motive of pure love, Mm -hmm. the kind of love Jesus had for us. There's nothing in there to cause you to stumble. It's like Augustine said, love God and do what you will, because if you love God, what you will do is his will. Mm -hmm.